everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today we're covering The People Under the Stairs with Angel Barzi. Welcome, Angel. Hi. 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 <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to Fear Street, first time. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're thank so excited. Yeah, I listen to you all the time. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> what I love about this podcast is we meet people online, and it's just like a matter of when can you be on this show. I know. <laughs> But yes, Angel is joining us as we continue our month of fucked up families because it's the holiday season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other thing would we do on Fear Street? <laughs> right, right. We'll go talk about it. All right. But before we get into the people under the stairs, we're going to ask Angel our usual questions when we first have people on the show. So okay. number one, what's your favorite scary movie? Okay. So, so many favorite movies. There were horror movies, but my favorite is Halloween. Classic. Of course. Classic. And, and I would say Final Destination. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. The first one is really, really good. The second oh, one's yeah. good too. Past that, it's a little questionable. <laughs> I'm gonna leave I have no idea, eight. but I'm obsessed with Final Destination. I have no idea why. <laughs> nice. I, listen, it scared the hell out of me. And the DVD had those like games to be like, when will you die? And oh, I was yeah. a baby and I was like, let me play this. And now I'm afraid to travel for the next 15 years. <laughs> right. It has me questioning like every day. I'm just like, right. I could I could die this way, but it won't end up this way. It'll be something else horrible. Right? <laughs> right? No, it's the kind of movie that makes you show up to like a fancy dinner party with your own plastic spork. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you ain't getting me. <laughs> and they're like, ma'am, we're eating lobster. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but even if you have that fork, it won't be that way. It'll be like, it'll break in half and something will happen. <laughs> right? 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 There's always something. Like, don't ride behind log trucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, never. No, I don't. Never. Yeah. No. Check in with your pilot before you sit down on the plane to be like, how are you? How is your life? <laughs> what is your social media? I need to see you're happy. Um, right. So are slashers your favorite subgenre or? Yes. So slashers, uh, sometimes it switches because they're going to be paranormal activity because I like a good mm. scare. Like... <laughs> Paramount scare me. The Ooh. new one just dropped. I haven't seen it yet because I'm in Utah. But like I'm I'm coming back for her. I'm coming right back to her. Uh I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't made the nerve to get in there. So Angel, what's your horror origin story? What got you into the genre? So I would say, okay, when I was younger, I was terrified of horror movies. I remember when I was five and I walked in on my parents watching Child's Play. <laughs> and from that point on, I had a reincurring nightmare until I was a teenager that Chucky was trying to kill me and <laughs> I was fighting back. But when I, yeah, <laughs> but once I got into college, I would say when I was like 18, I just fell in love with horror movies. Like it was the only thing I wanted to watch. <laughs> nice, and then nice. I met uh, my husband, Sylvester, who loves horror movies <laughs> so he really got me into it so now that's all we do cool, <laughs> that's cool. a good life mm -hmm. <laughs> yes it is 
So do you have any projects or social media you would like to plug so our um, listeners can find you? Right now, I do. you can find me on a new Black Geek Couple on Instagram and yes. Black Geek Couple Podcast on Twitter. Nice. And that's what yes. we focus on. So those awesome. are the only things that we have. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like, people don't understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Having social media for any kind of project, that's I mean, a full-time job. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And then I uh, having our son and trying to do it is so much work. That's Ooh. two full time jobs right there. And yeah, the right. The day. What? <laughs> Ooh, yes, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get our talk about the people under the stairs. Yeah. So I haven't when I okay I hadn't seen this movie in a while. So then I rewatched it again like a few weeks ago <laughs> for the first time, and I remember everything now but i think my first take on the movie was in the beginning and how fool was always i I felt like fool was doing a lot for a 13 year old listen (laughs) like (laughs) he had the world on his shoulders yeah like (laughs) he met with vince wrong's character yeah Oh, yeah. Ving- I have the cast list pulled up because I'm bad at names. Leroy. Ving- Leroy. 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 Yeah, he met Leroy like on his 13th birthday. <laughs> and he was like, you want to pull a job with me? I was just like, <laughs> on the first day, like, you just met him. Right? <laughs> and, his like, sister, and his sister at least is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, what, what is this job you want him to go yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> that's just it. I love Kelly Joe Mentor, but also that sister was not being a real sister. Because you have no. people walk into my house and be like, hey, her little bro, you going to do a job? I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our house. He wants to be... He wants to be a doctor and then after hearing about the gold coins all that switch she's like okay right. she's like go ahead with leroy yeah take him to some place i don't know where he's going to rob right, right. right. i'll bet that bad happens what? Like, this kid had the whole world on his shoulder right? I, I love hate that because like as a kid I was like the middle middle child so mm-hmm. I, but also I only had older brothers so I was always the most mature <laughs> so <laughs> I relate to having to be the adult in like a yeah. t- child's body because you're like yeah. oh we gotta do this somebody gotta pay bills somebody gotta do this and shit mm-hmm. and so I love that but I also hate that because I I sometimes just want to see like black children be children in yes. general yeah. We never get to just Alice in Wonderland. We're Alice in Wonderland, but the police sirens are underscoring yeah. and someone's still on the corner. And it's like, no, just let her be through the looking glass. Let her yeah. do it. He had to find a way, like his mom was sick. He had to find a way to not be evicted in yeah. 24 hours. Right. <laughs> no, Jack and his beanstalk and got nothing on him. Yeah, and no. so, <laughs> I, I was a little salty about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. So, okay. Everyone knows that I'm like the the queen of overthinking things but like the opening with like the tarot card readings and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i wanted that like i felt like that i was like is that not going to be more involved in this like is there not going to be more mentioning of that yeah then like the, there's it mentioned it a couple times but i kept being like why is that the intro mm-hmm. if it's never really even used in the plot other than him getting the nickname the fool from the card the fool yeah. And the sister a couple times mentions that she reads tarot cards. Mm-hmm. But like, I was just like, what? That's such a weird choice to me. Did I miss something? I don't know. I got thoughts. They're going to get us some DMs, but I got thoughts. <laughs> so I, we know that I clearly love Wes Craven. Our podcast is loosely named after Nightmare on Elm Street. But like, I feel like these tarot cards was him being like 
black people are spiritual. How uh, can I do a little bit of that mm, and keep it moving? And yeah. so the sister alludes to the card. She's like, I pulled your cards for you today and it looks bad. Yeah. Who pulls cards about the person being there? I'm not permission though. And so yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, Wes, I need to talk to black people before you do this kind of shit. And he was like, no, yeah. it's too late. It's filmed. Right. Well, maybe it was a good thing, but it's barely in the movie. So I don't Listen, think I didn't understand the cars either. I was like, why are they bringing up tarot cards? Yeah, it's not like they, they wanted to call him fool if it to not be weird. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like I was like, his name like was Poindexter, so I was just like. Is it any better? <laughs> right. I thought like they could have just called him the fool and just like let that be. Because like I would have gone with it. Like yeah, I would have been like, hey Wes, <laughs> I see you trying, but also your lead is called the fool. Yeah. Um, right. There was no way to come out of this, That's and Wes true. was like, I'm gonna choose this way and see what happens, and we yeah. let it happen. It was the '90s. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know no better as a child, but like, <laughs> I I did, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's a good point, Sheree. I think it was Uncle Wes being like, "I am an uncle," and nobody <laughs> being like, "You don't have to be though." Stephen King's got that. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, "I need a nickname," so. <laughs> right. right. Can't, can't go out. My name's Poindexter. 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 Where you at, Poindexter? <laughs> Poindexter? I was like, "Who hurt you? Like, what are you trying to escape?" What? <laughs> I too would hop in a van and be like, "Let's go do crime." My name is Poindexter. <laughs> I gotta I work this shit. I would think he's probably like, what do I call a little black boy? Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't think of any names. <laughs> Point Dexter. Point Dexter. I, again, I love Wes Craven. I want to say that oh, yeah. a couple times before people pop into our DMs about this one, because they will. But, but I do feel like this movie definitely is him wanting to do something, but not wanting to talk to black people. And so he's like, I want Tim Burton people, but I also don't happen to know any black people. I'm not going to go find any. I'm going to just go wild. And so I think that like one or two black friends could have been like, hey, Wes. <laughs> his, his name can be Mike. Right? Yeah. There's so many Michaels. Yeah. There's so many Davids. There's so many Daniels. Daniel Kalua. Let's look. 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 <laughs> uh, while we're here in the things that Uncle Wes could have done better for us, uh, these racist child abusers are darker than most Wes Craven characters and i know people are going to be like it was the 90s fairy tales are dark it was what's craven but also like he's given us monsters before who don't get so blatantly racist like even freddie gets racist but he's not dropping the n-word with a hard r oh yeah and we're not shooting black people in houses and so <laughs> i just where's the line uncle wes <laughs> yeah i think he wanted to show with like the intense racism or not intense but the shadowing of racism in it i think he wanted to definitely Put the line of yeah uh poor and rich <laughs> right right yeah. and it's it's one of those unfortunate things because again i feel like a lot of white people have an idea of what racism is mm -hmm. and it's in word with the hard r and oh, it's yeah. like violence they don't understand mm -hmm. that it's an everyday situation of how you enact and how you treat people and how you ignore people and don't mm -hmm. spell their names or say their names right yeah. and so they're just like oh no this is racism and i feel like again a black friend or two could have been like wes Racism yeah. is every day. This conversation you're having is probably racism. Well, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and the the couple, the the landlords are obviously being racist in their actions by mm -hmm. forcing all these black and brown, mostly black and brown families, out of their homes and out of their businesses, and to go in and make more money. That's racism. That's racist. Yeah. We don't need to hear like 
oh, the uh, at one point the mom like says yeah. un they're unclean or something like that. Yeah. It's towards the beginning. She yeah. used every racist adjective in the book, and I was like, we don't need all of them. We could have just picked two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just Wes going too far. Like, yeah. I, don't, I think someone's yeah. going to pull him back a little bit. Like, and okay, we like, get it. We get it, Wes. I feel <laughs> like when directors, like, when they do that, it's just kind of like you said, they kind of feel like they have to say this to show racism. But yeah. even though the actions of the character already shows, we right? know, like. <laughs> right? No, because we we understand. It's called Microaggression Monday for a reason, because it's yeah. every day for us. <laughs> and yeah. so, like, we don't need her to say this so many damn times in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this takes away from it, especially because we don't get a lot of, like, children's genre movies. Yeah. And so, growing up, this is kind of it, I think. I might, I might be missing one or two movies, but this mm -hmm. might have been it. Yeah. And so for us to have to navigate like this world where like it's racist and it's blatant racist, it's not like subtle racist we're gonna ease into. It's like inward, ha! Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and, have and like even like the people who are in Fool's Circle, like Leroy, is talking about pussy at age thirteen. Yeah. And I'm just like, why can't we have a child be a child and then discover these people under the stairs? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's more realistic than this world of just like super duper over the top. Like, get you to let you know that this is not how we were raised in the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I will say, I do think that, especially the landlord family, I feel like they were purposefully kind of over the top. I mean, the racism didn't need to be, but like, I mean, he also didn't need to go put on that full body black latex number either. But <laughs> he showed it. figure out why he does that. <laughs> I was like, did Big James have it in his contract to only hang out with leather daddies in the 90s? <laughs> did he? Because <laughs> as a kid, I'm like, oh, this is weird. But now I'm like, oh, this is this is weird. Especially because, like, <laughs> you know, I know that that's his sister he's living with. And they're kind of their dad and mom. And he's got yeah. a leather outfit he chases people around in. And I'm just like, this is this is some Hellraiser Cinebite BDSM shit we have not unpacked in this movie. <laughs> Shooting walls and holes in his walls, <laughs> trying to get roach. <laughs> I just, I was like, come on, y'all. What? Yeah. <laughs> he popped out in that leather outfit, like, I was like, probably like the Kool Aid man from out the door. <laughs> and then, like, to go shoot him, like, why is he in his leather outfit? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I was like, what do y'all get into when yeah. you're the walls go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that brings up another question for me. So, they they were stealing these kids, right? Like, they're yeah. not actually their children. Yeah. So, like, could they not have children of their own? Was that ever meant, talked about at all? Or was it just like, we steal kids because we want children? Oh, I was going to say, that might bring you into my question because I was like, is this the first generation of taking kids? Because Alice seemed like she was like 13 too, but people under the stairs seemed older. Older, yeah. yeah. So and, like, and then Roach was like, Look like 1617, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was like, could this have been something that like their father and mother did? And oh. it just, I just thought they didn't have kids because they were related, but <laughs> I I feel like it it plays in to what rep West I must address. <laughs> um what Wes wanted this couple to signify, which is like privilege unchecked. And so they're just like, let's go steal somebody else's child, and then we'll just like have it until we, it just pleases us. Yeah. Um, as like they are going to the grocery store or something. It's like, let's go get a pumpkin for Halloween, but it's a child. 
<laughs> and so like that, okay. I feel like that yeah. kind of works for me. And it's mm -hmm. the one piece that I felt didn't go too far because he was like, let's just like push this gas all the way down yeah. and set some shit on fire and see what ha happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can see that charade for sure. Like the privilege of, of just be, just thinking like, oh, no, nothing can hurt. Like nothing can get yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> And you do have those like couples who have money and they, when they want someone else's child, like when those like surrogacy situations go badly oh, yeah. and there's like, well, we have a lawyer. So we'll tie it up in court and then just take it anyways, as opposed mm. to should we be humans? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they basically felt like the kids were their kids because oh, they yeah. could do it. <laughs> right. They're like, we can have it because we can. Yeah. Because like the police never believe anything that happens. They're over there eating cookies and being like, yeah. oh, you have bullet holes in your room. Oh, well. Which I, I love that commentary because the cops are worthless and they, they oh, do yeah. let people get away with murder, literally. <laughs> and so I was like, this is working with, we could have stayed here with the racism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is where you, you were doing well. You were doing was, well. I don't remember there being cops in this. Did I miss? <laughs> there were so many cops. Like, were, oh, were yeah, because they, they, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. cops yeah. in the beginning and they did, they were like, oh, this truck's here. We're not going to investigate anymore. You said right. nobody was here. <laughs> Right, and they brought more friends when he called to report the child abuse, and they were like, hey, "You don't see no child. This is yeah. weird. Give us more cookies." <laughs> and I was like, "This is really, this is really the way they operate." And yeah. so, like, that's one of the things I will give him for this movie because I think he tried to navigate a bunch of conversations he was not ready to navigate. <laughs> um, but I feel like he captured the police very well. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it was kind of like, "Oh, black child or reported the incident. Are we really yeah. going to check it out?" <laughs> nope. Like, we'll nope. go over there, but didn't see anything. So we left. Right. We didn't look. We didn't listen. And mm -hmm. we got to we out. <laughs> like, literally, they leave a crime scene in those people's driveways. They yeah. Just and it's like, stay in and lock your doors. <laughs> and that's why they find out fools in the house. <laughs> but then I'm like, right. how do you walk around that house? And it was so, it was dirty. And you were like, oh, everything's fine here. <laughs> right. If they, this, one of my, this brings me to one of my questions. If these people are so rich, why is their house so nasty? Yeah, I think they just didn't care. They were crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they showed it because that house was gross. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, I feel like finding out that they were a sibling couple was scarier than anything going on in the walls. As a child, that sort of went over my head. But like as an adult, I'm like, that's disgusting. Yeah. This is. <laughs> I, I, I was like, it should have been called that and not the people under the stairs. Because I need to, we need to unpack that. What? And the fact they have her call her the mommy and daddy, but their brother and sister. I was like, okay. That brings me to my other note. I said, I had this thought, especially when they're chasing, I forget what part it was, but they keep saying mommy and daddy. And I was like, that's very Mike Pence of them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so weird. Yeah, that whole their dynamic was like honestly creepier than the people under the stairs. Like, uh, people yeah. under the stairs. I was like, I kind of feel sorry for you, right? <laughs> right. But those two, we can't forgive that. No, um, had it, she had it really bad compared to well, <laughs> they had their tongues cut out, so I can't say that they didn't have it bad, but. <laughs> Let's just talk about Mr. Sean Whalen for a minute because his cast is stacked with 90s actors who've done stuff like Bill Cobbs, Bing Rames, mm -hmm. Kelly Jo Minter, who is a queen, um, and like that woman who looks like Julia Roberts but was not Julia Roberts. Oh, yeah. I thought the same thing. As a like kid, Julia Roberts, I was like, Julia Roberts doing a Wes Craven? And it was like, no. 
She just looks like her. <laughs> Especially that haircut. That haircut did not help her not look like Julie Roberts in the 90s. It did not. Wendy Robbie was just like, you know what I'm going to do? Sad left to being close to Julie Roberts. And I'm going to look like, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she auditioned from my best friend's wedding. I just didn't get cast. <laughs> right? She doesn't stay at. But I, not only do I love um, the people that we know in this cast, but I love that like they still do like conventions and Comic-Cons. Like um, Sean Boylan and Kelly Jo Mentor just did Horrible Imagining Fest, which we were virtually attending. And I was like, I want to go there now because Kelly Jo is there. <laughs> That would have been awesome. Yeah, next year. <laughs> so my my good for her moment in this movie was when the little girl slammed her mom's head into the floor and then said, or no, no, that was, this was earlier when she told her mom to go to hell. I was like, that's goals. Because <laughs> anyone that has a, a tense relationship with their mother knows <laughs> that when you get that moment of just being like, mom, go to hell. <laughs> I was her on. <laughs> To do something because the way she almost got food shot, I was like, No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, first off, <laughs> fool tried to save Alice, and Alice was like, No, I'm institutionalized woman now. I, I don't, this is the abuse I know. I gotta stay. And he's like, Come on, we gotta go. And I was like, This is every white woman who keeps harming herself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. so like, Here's what real feminism is. Here's what <laughs> rights look like. And they're like, No, they don't take care of me. It's like, Dan will not take care of you. This is how you get handmaid's tailed. Get out. Oh, but I kind of like how Fool was like, okay, well, bye. Bye. <laughs> right? Jumping off this roof now. He was like, I'm jumping off of this roof. I don't care. How, how deep was that puddle? Like that, was... It looked like a puddle, but he went off. He was completely submerged. <laughs> I was like, normally ponds aren't that deep in the in your yard. <laughs> it made me wonder if there was other things at the bottom of that pond. We didn't have time and budget to see. Yeah. Because okay. not all these kids can still be alive, can they? That's true. And when he got out that water, it, he wasn't just wet. It looked like Something I, wrong. I eventually went to just muddy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But there, it was. It could have been blood. I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Listen, I would say the one okay, that I was going on and on about at the end of the movie was how everybody from the neighborhood came to the house, and then I was like, okay, this has to end. There's like hundreds of people standing outside. Yeah. Then they close the door and it's like it shut everything out. And then <laughs> the end of the movie, when everybody's still outside, I was shocked because I was like, they had to leave. No way they're standing outside. Nobody was hearing all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's such a 90s mood, though, to be like, let's have everybody show up for a confrontation and then like yeah. have it go back to be like two, three people at a time in the house. Yeah, it's like 90, 20 minutes of the movie. And I was just like, <laughs> At what point did you stop standing? Because I know I would have been like, we came here for a reason, but also I'm old and these are not good shoes. I know it's time for me I'm to go, go home. home. <laughs> <laughs> they might have had a they might have had a porch swing. You might have sat on that. Mm-mm. I was like, is everybody outside listening to this screaming and shooting and <laughs> right? Just quietly listening. It's like I don't want to interrupt. I'm like, I don't know support. what's going on inside. Right. <laughs> right. No, oh, but I love <laughs> yeah, I love how they they got into the house though was by impersonating the police. Oh yeah, saying, <laughs> when the police won't burn, press the button, and then she opened it. And they're like, "Ha gotcha!" <laughs> <laughs> and that actor who played, I can't think of his name. Bill Cobb. Is that Bill Cobb? Okay, he's in like everything. I love him. He's also and I still know what he did last summer. Oh, and I everywhere. Love it. He was it. everywhere. And I I said I forgot he was in this because, again, I've not seen this since I was a child. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was like, Ving Rhames, Kelly Joe Minter, Bill Cobbs, because I, I know Sean Whalen is in it because like he's a character actor and he's always like, I was in People Under the Stairs. Like whenever you talk to him, it's like People Under the Stairs. And I'm like, I got you, Sean. I remember now. <laughs> he was like, I didn't play Roach for nothing. Like you will remember my name. <laughs> I'll say that the who played Fool, Brandon. Yeah. I had a huge crush on him as a kid. <laughs> Listen, Brandon he was Adams. Everything. <laughs> Brandon Adams was everywhere. Yeah. He was he was the only black kid Nickelodeon talked to. And yes. I was like, yes, yes, yes. As <laughs> <laughs> soon as I first watched this movie, I was like, I remember him. <laughs> he right. was on my wall. <laughs> I was like, I need well, to go meet Fool. <laughs> <laughs> Where Fool at? Hold on. Right? <laughs> uh, I'll put some tarot cards for Fool. <laughs> He's such an amazing actor. <laughs> Yeah. Even as a yeah, especially even as a kid, oh, like, yeah, his, his performance in this is great. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I hope he got awards. I meant to check that, but life is stressful, so I did not. <laughs> but I hope he got awards, and I hope to know that the next time we talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Like a um, well, I don't know, but Sylvester told me that. Um, did you watch the Steve Harvey show? Anybody oh yeah, like Romeo. He was there when he passed away, and I didn't mm. know that. I I remember reading about it when it happened because mm -hmm. he was like at some party hanging out with people, and then someone shot him. And I was like, oh no. Yeah, but I didn't know that he he was there with him by his side. Yeah. Oh. Oh no. Sad I mean, that, <laughs> I, that just scared the hell out of me. I'm like, fool was in danger, and I I don't know how to go about my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> Take him at all calls. <laughs> but also, uh, the thing I would say is like the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. That always, for some reason, when I hear that in movies and stuff, it always resonates with me. But then I'm, I'm just thinking like the whole time watching the movie and the real evil is inside, even though the um, the man and the woman was trying to teach that it was outside the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that no. the world was evil when it was actually them. Right. Listen. Listen. Yeah. It really shows how those like spiritual sayings can be manipulated. Yeah. And I think the girl at one point even says, I, uh, the uh, fool says at some point something to, like the, your parents are crazy or bad or whatever. And she's like, that's speaking evil. You can't yeah. do that. So it's like, it's not it's, it's, to her. What she's been taught is it's not literally speaking evil things. It's, saying anything that goes against your parents yeah yeah no mm -hmm. that's that's in the abuser's handbook is to twist things around and mm -hmm. so people are like oh no this is what it means now yeah. i this was the first time i've seen this movie since i talked to rusty kundi from tales from the hood because like girls at scary and i like to talk to him on clubhouse and it turns out that his story about the oh my god the child abuse in that in that mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. was based on a true story because when he was a kid he found out that there was a white family who was like keeping their daughter in the basement and like abusing her. And he told his dad and his dad was like, we can't get into that unfortunately because like we are black people and this is not a safe space for us. And so we got to send some thoughts and some prayers. And so like he ended up writing about it in Tales from the Hood. And that made me think of this, which is also, this is also based on a true story. Yeah. yeah. Some burglars broke into a house and found out that they were keeping their kids in the basement and abusing them, which I'm from Missouri, so those kind of stories all over the place, unfortunately. <laughs> um, 
No, like it literally. <laughs> so I, I th- th- it makes it more terrifying in a way mm-hmm. um, because not just like Wes was just sitting around being like, you know, it'd be creepy. He was reading the news. I was like, I can't top this. Let's yeah. Start <laughs> right. It kind of reminds me and my husband. I always say that when we're watching a show or a movie because we watched The Boy Behind the Wall. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, we were like, this is parent horror. Now that we have a son, we were like, movies yeah. like this where kids get kidnapped and... <laughs> It's just like yeah, yeah. And I no. forgot the new one that came out that we saw a trailer for, but the boy behind the door, yeah, Black, no. yeah. Black oh phone. no, Black yeah, phone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that because no, terrified me when I was watching it. I feel like we just have too many movies about people abducting and assaulting children right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's not a subgenre we want to make popular, and no. I don't know why we're all doubling down on that. <laughs> We could have some very interesting conversations after um, we wrap up this season about what we will and won't be covering. <laughs> because oh, people keep popping their DMs like, I just saw this. You should cover it. I'm like, oh, should yeah, I, though? Do you, you want me to see cover it? Right? <laughs> right? You love this movie. I don't think you want to hear my thoughts on it. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they got, their, they got their wish with The Shining. And they, got, <laughs> they did not know what they were getting. <laughs> <laughs> Like whenever they pop in with a problematic movie, I just think of like Megan The Stallion. <laughs> it's like, bitch, I'm a genie. I will give it to you, and it's not what you want. <laughs> right. So, I really like when genre films utilize real world issues. Like this film utilizes gentrification, but makes it kind of it. It, it does fictionalize it a little bit, makes it a little bigger than like these marionette like dad mom brother sister incestuous like you know what i mean but uh, i like or like when um vampires versus the bronx uses gentrification or like they talk about gentrification in the new candy man but there's and there's other thing or like the uh the refugee story from his house like using putting in real world issues and themes just helps to ground the film to me and makes it more real as long i do want to make this stipulation as long as we aren't exploiting black and brown trauma because that's not good yeah, yeah. and you gotta and that's a fine line to walk and i get that mm-hmm. but when you can walk it i think it just it strengthens the film for me yeah. it ain't so fine a line to walk we just don't let the people who tell these stories <laughs> or who should tell these stories tell these stories and that's what that, I keep that's telling. true that's true yeah because again, if Wes had had some black friends, this would have been a completely different experience. Oh yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying it's an awful movie because like, again, I am a nineties kid. So unfortunately this is all we had. Mm-hmm. Cause we get like one black kid movie every couple 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause like I literally, in my notes, it's like this and Vampires in the Bronx, 30 years apart. Could we not speed this up? Yeah. So like yeah. brown kids in between aren't just like suffering with the yeah. <laughs> presentation, but we won't cause Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I feel like is. I feel like it's like the normal what you see now. Like, if you have a black or brown kid, they're probably going to be in the ghetto, right? Yeah. Always poor, always yeah. in the ghetto, possibly on the verge of getting into trouble or going to jail. Yeah. Um, role models not easily found, and mm. like people just like having babies out of wedlock and being awful to each other. Yeah. And it's just like this is not everyone's experience. And oh, even yeah. if, and even if for some reason it was, why would we keep doing that? Why can't we have like brown kids have joy? Are live in the suburbs. <laughs> listen, yeah. listen. I will not see another horror movie with kids and they're not brown in the suburbs. I won't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that time is over. Don't give me that movie because I'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a question because I'm curious 
because I I kind of see this film in the same way that I see the the original Candyman, where it's a white people trying to talk about race, and I don't know, maybe they, I and they both have issues, but I don't know if they're I don't know they seem like trying to do the same goal, but went and had very different issues along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like I, it was, I guess, like white directors, uh, their yeah. version of what they believe. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. like he said, that if they had black friends that they went to, but it was always right. to the extreme. Like, it was like, they live in the ghetto, but their place looked, <laughs> I'm saying, like, yeah. I'm not <laughs> uh, roof over your head, but oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> right? Right? It's place, a, Looked like it was two seconds from falling, and I was just like, and in the opening scene when he's going through the um complex to get back to his house, it's like he sees people doing drugs in the middle of the hallway, and like it was just all this violence in the hallway and going up, and I'm just like, this is really extreme, <laughs> right? Right? No, like it. I feel like I feel like especially white people have this misconception mm-hmm. of what it looks like to be of a certain income level, especially mm-hmm. if you are brown. They assume everybody of a certain income level is brown. Yeah. They assume anybody unhoused is brown, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they yeah. can't separate those two ideas. Yeah. And so they keep having these things. Like I remember in my awful grad school, I had to have a conversation because my thesis play, this black girl was not rich, and mm-hmm. she was trying to pay for college, and we kept having conversations because white people be showing their privilege and their whole ass. And they would be like, well, she would have furniture. She's not incompetent. And I'm like, not being able to afford a couch doesn't mean she's incompetent. It means that she doesn't have the money. Some of us don't have our parents paying for shit while we're in grad school, Katie. (laughs) And so, so, like, having had a conversation, I was like, oh, no, backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. Because, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of us do end up, like, leaving home for whatever reasons. And, like, you don't always have, like, the best posh apartment in the suburbs. Oh, yeah. Um, like white people have this like misconception that like it's all about like elbow grease and bootstraps and it's mm-hmm. not it's it's a lot of other things that factor into where you end up and how you end up yeah. but you don't just sit there and squalor with holes in your ceiling and holes in your wall sitting your like little brother out to commit crimes to bring back money um, yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's situation i believe for in films they kind of portray all black people as the same when mm-hmm. everyone's situation is different like you can live in the projects or something and not live with, like you said, a, a hole in your house. Yeah. Which more than likely, it's probably not like that. <laughs> right? Right? Like they yeah. never go into these neighborhoods. So they are just yeah. like, here's what I imagine to be because this is the way racism was handed down to me when I was a child and I won't hear anything else. And yeah. then like, <laughs> if you actually go to these neighborhoods and you actually aren't an asshole, you get to see like people are actually like living their best lives. Yeah. And like their homes are like finished. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that like a difference is between like I grew up in a suburb, suburban area in the South. Mm. So like my experience compared to my husband who grew up in the city in New York. So it was different. But when I learned from growing up, because I do watch like when you watch stuff like the people under the stairs in my head, it's like, oh, that's how you live. But in the city, but then don't look at me like that. Because I've never experienced that. I'm like, this is how you live in the city. And then he's like, no, it's not anything like what you see on TV. <laughs> and then I'm just so I'm just like, it's kind of a uh you have to talk to people. 
and right. huge misconception about what do you see. Yeah. yeah. And it also just goes back to what story do you have the right to tell? Yeah. Because if you want to see a story like this, then find people who should tell the story to write it and support mm -hmm. them, produce them. Mm -hmm. Especially because, again, this was Wes Craven in the 90s. It's not like Wes Craven just starting out. Yes. He could have easily bankrolled whatever the hell he wanted, and New Line Cinema would have been like, thank you, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we, people don't want to do that because they don't want to like step aside and use their privilege for good. They're like, mm -hmm. I have to do this because I have my own complex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, sometimes the best thing you can do is to step aside and be like, here are people who should be doing this. Yeah. Let yeah. me amplify them. Let me boost them. Let me give them the support I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I and, and I, oh, sorry. I know you're good. I was just, I was just going to add really quickly. And I, and I think sometimes when we look at people who wrote for film and we see that, oh, there's multiple writers, I think sometimes that gets look down upon but i think that's a good thing to have multiple to, to have because i think because I'm, I'm pretty sure correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure Wes craven is the only listed credited writer for yep. this film and if he had had two or three people of color that had different experiences that well i think it would have only made this film better mm -hmm. It would have, and what would have made it best is him to be like, I saw this in the paper and I want to support people of color telling this story. Right. Because again, he doesn't know this world clearly. <laughs> he doesn't have this experience. He doesn't understand that side of racism. He's, mm -hmm. you, nobody white really understands racism. And we need to stop pretending they do. Cause they're just like, well, I have a good friend or I dated somebody. I know what cocoa butter is. And it's like, yeah. no, you already <laughs> fucked up. And so, <laughs> I know what cocoa butter is. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the best thing to do sometimes is to just like hush it and listen. And mm -hmm. like, that's, that's all we can do. Like, I know I'm not going to be all like this community that I just found out about, I'm going to speak up for. Yeah. I'm like, no, I had questions and I did some research and here's what so-and-so-and-so -and -so -and -so said. Like when we went after hush and like your birthday episode, like I am not deaf and I don't know a lot of deaf people, but like, I was like, this don't feel good. This don't feel right. Look here, Mike Flanagan. And I got my fingers onto the Google <laughs> and I found um, a woman on YouTube who is like partially deaf and she was like this is not right and I was like thank you and I made sure to quote her and like give her that credit because again like it's not my community so I'm not going to be like here's why it's wrong Mike Flanagan I'm going to be like here's why she said it's wrong and I agree with her even though it's not my business mm. <laughs> I did read that I saw that Wes Craven wanted to model fool after Ben uh, yeah from Night of Living Dead oh yeah yeah because yeah. so he's a leader who's always yeah. doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No respect. Yeah. <laughs> but I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> right? Because yeah. again, 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 I we all love Ben. We all love Night of Living Dead. But that is yeah. another movie written by white people. Uh, and yeah. so <laughs> maybe again, you should just go find some black people to make a movie. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of us out here who will gladly make a movie. Well, and it, <laughs> would, it, it would be very refreshing to see a movie like this or like Candyman or like I don't know a plethora of other other films of that kind and being produced by white people but created by it would like you said Sheree, have a big name white person be like you know what this isn't my story to tell I support mm -hmm. the story being told I'm going to step back and produce I'll give you feedback I'll no feedback no feedback well okay <laughs> No more feedback. No feedback days are done. I will give you money. Just give yes. the money. <laughs> yes. Give us the money and let us go. You're mm -hmm. welcome. <laughs> it's hard to say that, like, because this was filmed in the 90s, but it's still something that's seen in Hollywood today. Oh, yeah. When it comes to um, Black voices being heard. 
Yeah. yeah. Be- be- and especially because like the few times they do get in the, the few times people do get in the rooms, like mm-hmm. it's silenced. It's like, you yeah. don't know. Yeah. And it's like, I'm the only black person in here and we're talking about black people in this mm-hmm. show. Maybe we should listen to me. And it's like, no. Yeah. And so you like do this like fucked up thing. <laughs> and then people are like, uh, who, who was in this room? Yeah. And as a black person, you're like, I tried. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't listen to me. And they're like, but we have a black person. That's all that matters. So it's like, you have to listen to them too. Which is why, again, just like bankroll the projects, people. Just open up your wallets. Just be like, I've been fucking up these decades. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Here's money for you. Here's some money for you. Everybody get some money. Um, <laughs> make your projects. Make them the way they should be made so we can stop having to come back to things and be like, it's all we had. So it was yeah. fine. And I feel attached to it when it hurts me. <laughs> and that's why I think I loved um, what? Horror Noir. The, oh, God, yes. Yes, the, the short films. And I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> and it just shows that if you show or let Black people produce and write and direct more what you can have, especially in the horror industry. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it, it, it's telling that we're still having firsts yeah. in 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> the first Black woman directed a horror film, a major a major feature horror film. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, for the first time in 2021. Yes. <laughs> no, like, the first get me. The first really bother the fuck out of me, because people are always like, well, we got a first to celebrate. It's like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me this actor is the first, like, Asian American actor to lead a horror film, mm-hmm. and you're proud of this? In you're 2021. Listen. <laughs> Listen, um, you're it telling, should not take that long. It shouldn't. And they're like, oh no, we did it. It's like, you did nothing. <laughs> you did nothing. <laughs> and then it's kind of like they start at the first and it ends at the first. Yeah. Right. You don't see it for a while. No. And so it's kind of like, here, take it, but don't complain. No. If I see one more fool hop into my comments to be like, well, it's getting better now, right? Yeah. And I'm like, where at? What city are you in? Because yeah. I need to go to that city because the rest of the world, no. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's like it's getting better because someone but so won an award finally this month, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't. It's not. It's not a sign. It's getting better. It's a sign somebody got an award, which is probably long overdue. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this film showed like a lot of that. Still, it, in a way, it showed black trauma, but not. I guess. Yeah. Like you said, it was a thin line between. <laughs> right. No, like. I'm kind of more offended by the way Wes Craven saw black people than how he had these characters portray how racist they were. And both are like real bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you thought black people live like this, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> you really thought this was it. Yeah. And, and I hope he got better towards the end. Cause again, like he's one of the better uncles in, mm-hmm. of this horror world. Mm-hmm. But like also this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And we need people to stop trying to emulate that. Because again, I'm just tired of people being like, well, this is how black people must live. Cause it's not how I live. Right. That's right. not, that is not conducive. <laughs> that well, is not. And that, that is one thing I will say for Wes is that he was openly critical of himself in, in retrospect. Like he did say, he did come out pretty early, right before he did scream. And he said uh, he didn't want to do horror anymore. Because he had felt like everything he had done before that was just being traumatic to women. And I was like, and then he got caught on to doing Scream, which, you know. I I want to know what he said about this movie, though. Because people right. do come around to being like, I'm cool with women and they mean white women. Right. And so, like, I, again, love Uncle Wes. But I also need to, like, check those receipts for I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I don't might- know that. 
I would do better by white yeah. women now and fuck everybody else. And if that's yeah. the case, then he's not my favorite uncle anymore. So <laughs> No, yeah, I and I don't know, I don't know that he ever did say anything specifically about this film. I just know that he at least in for that specific, very specific issue, he was open to because some people you bring you know you bring up hey you might have done that wrong no i didn't i didn't i didn't i'm perfect yeah at least he was able to do that for one thing so maybe he was able to do it for this i would hope so i don't know though i hope so but also i've seen white people in their biases and they can pick and choose like nobody's fucking business (laughs) (laughs) it's just like well i'll let so-and-so be cool but nobody else yeah and it's like kieran and she's like i can vote now so i don't care no more it's like kieran (laughs) (laughs) True, I, think, that's true. I think that with Wes, I think he, like, from some things I've seen from later on, he was very, like, of course, proud of this movie because he did give um, what more than others, what the black representation in this movie. Yeah. yeah so I think he was proud of that. <laughs> but I'm yeah. not sure how he felt down the line, like, later on. <laughs> I hope that there's, like, a I'm said tweet. I hope there's like a quote or something somewhere, just because I do. I do wonder because again, it's one of those things where it's like because it was the '90s. It's all we had, and so yeah. it was fine. Mm-hmm. But it's not fine because like when we are going through like Elm Street, it's just like there's not black people were mishandled in this one if they're even here. <laughs> and yeah. we did the same for the screams because even when we were there, were we there? And yeah. so it's like I. Again, and it's not like a West only problem. It's the horror right. genre, which is why yeah. we have this podcast. So I can yell this every other week. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I just, I, I I don't know. I think that I want him to do better because like so much of his legacy is so much of the stuff that I grew up on. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to unpack that. These three seasons of being like, I loved it. But now that I'm an adult, As an adult <laughs> I see that yeah. part of the problem. <laughs> When you're younger, if it was, like you said, the only thing that we had to look at, well, one of the only things to look at as Black kids, but now that you're older, you're kind of like, um, (laughs) you see so many stereotypes and so much going on in the film, so you're kind of like, yeah, it's still a great film, but (laughs) oh, yeah, like I will watch it after. (laughs) There's always a big but, there's always a big but, yeah. and I'm tired of that. I just wanted to be like, that was great, period. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, that was great for something written by white people and not about us, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about Scream, and of course, like, we love like, for Scream 2. Yeah. Felt like it had the most <laughs> representation. It did. We had two black people, and mm-hmm. one of them made it to the end because he left and then came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's two more than most of the films and the Elm Streets. Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, by the numbers, Wes is winning. <laughs> what he's doing with us, though, questionable. It's still, yeah. well, yeah. And it's still bare minimum. I mean, yeah. A college campus with two black people. Yeah. Really, the so college campus only, really, the college campus only had one, and it was her roommate. Like, they had to bring they, the other one onto campus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I guess it goes them. into the horror genre, not be, not believing black people watch horror, right? So they feel like this is not the audience I need to connect to. Right. So many, so many people are like, what do you mean, black people like horror? Yeah, like, and I'm like, uh, it's not like it's exclusive to white people. You know yeah. this, right? right. <laughs> and of, and of like, course, this is it's also just a huge problem in Hollywood with yeah. feature films of any genre. Mm-hmm. But you know, specifically, I feel like horror is major villain it's, in the storyline. <laughs> it's weird because like people don't believe that you um anyone like like you said the horror genre is not really seen but when they come out with a movie it's like number one box office. 
everyone is talking about it. <laughs> right. I mean, I may not have been the I love Halloween and the franchise. Halloween kills is another story to me, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was huge. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially yeah. after the pandemic. I mean, I think it's one of the best, biggest opening weekends since COVID. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no. And I guess it comes back to like I love horror. Husband loves horror. We're teaching our son. He loves it too. Yeah. Uh, Raising him right. Yeah. <laughs> but then my parents are like, "You're watching what?" <laughs> no, I I'm hoping that in a perfect world, Hollywood would learn from this year because like you had like Akila Cooper's Malignant yeah. and you needed Acosta's Candyman, which actually got Candyman <laughs> right because like that original trilogy, like when we unpack it, we're really here for Tony Todd, not the messaging. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I so, rewatched that and I was like, "Yeah, no, this, I, what am I watching?" <laughs> I was like, "No wonder I've not revisited this movie." And I did the whole trilogy, and they're like, "Oh no, it just gets worse." Well, I only watched the first one. <laughs> I know I, I didn't see two and three. <laughs> like, they only make me matter. Um, but, but in a perfect world, Hollywood would be like, "Oh, so we let like black women do things this year, and like the horror genre was better for it." Yeah, like. Even people who don't like Malignant have to own that it's the most wild experience we're going to have this year. Yeah, so <laughs> that movie so went from... <laughs> yeah, I was watching like, okay, okay. By the end of the movie, I think my eyes were like, what is going on? <laughs> oh, that, that third act, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> that third, that was nothing I expected, but it was an amazing movie to me. I loved <laughs> it. Akita loved lived it. her best life. Yeah. She was like, I might only get to write one screenplay. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Everything I ever fucking wanted. And I stand. I stand. <laughs> I do think that for a very long time, very, very long time, maybe even probably even still today, let's be real, that the, the horror audience was assumed to be straight white cis men. Yeah. And I think since the podcast world has kind of opened up, the internet, you know, more people are talking about what they're watching. I I have hope that it is getting better, but yeah, like you, with this year having two of the biggest horror films being written by black women is a great thing. I just hope it doesn't, like we said earlier, oh, you had your one, we'll get back to you in a decade or so, we'll get yeah. you another one up in there. Yeah. No, and then I at the same time, I think it, like, these movies also fail in the fact that they don't have the, I guess, black reviewers. So, mm-hmm. when you have white reviewers re- reviewing these films and then they trash it right. and then you watch it and you're like, what were they talking about? Because <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah. Like the director doesn't get it. They mm-hmm. don't get it. They don't. it oh, I will not rehash this whole rant, but like I literally, I took a job at Dread Central like less than two months ago mm-hmm. and I am one of the few black horror critics working at like one of the like bigger places. And by bigger, I mean like people heard of it, not like, oh, it's selling millions on millions on millions. But like, <laughs> as far as people going, I know Fangoria played Disgusting and Dread Central. Um, I, there are nobody else. There's nobody else being consistently paid. And I'm like, how is this a thing? Because yeah. again, I came out of nowhere last year, as far as the community knows. Because <laughs> I was watching was- movies getting drunk in my own world. And I was like, what if I start doing a podcast? What if I start writing about it? And now I'm one of few. And I think it's just because like there's so much gatekeeping and everything is, is seriously catered to white men. Everything oh, yeah. except for rom-coms. 
those are clearly for white women. <laughs> and so like everybody else is just like, well, you don't matter. We don't need your opinion. And these critics are getting in trouble because they don't know how to like talk about these movies. They don't want to talk about these themes. Yeah. They don't understand like why it's important to have like a woman from India be a lead in a movie. Yeah. And so they're like caught up on no budget. And I'm like, yeah, the budget fucked up because like you don't support brown people, but also this is a historical moment. <laughs> Let's unpack that. Let's talk about what's right with it as well as what's wrong with it as opposed yeah. to what's wrong mm-hmm. with it. And then like worshiping the empty man, which was a hot bottle of shit. Like I just. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. All right. Do we have any more notes about this movie before we get into our hot takes? <laughs> or the place where hot takes are supposed to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> the hot takes that are hot, that are about this movie though. <laughs> <laughs> Not about Hollywood and the existential horror that we're all experiencing. <laughs> yeah, I think we hit all it. right. Awesome. Well, let's get spicy. <laughs> so my height type probably wasn't spicy, but I noticed that a lot of the sibling dynamic, the theme was in the movie. Because you had the woman and man. You had Fool and his sister. And I even think like Alice and Roach were like a sibling mm-hmm. dynamic. <laughs> Yeah. It was interesting to see three very different forms of yeah. that sibling. Two of which were fairly that. two of which were fairly healthy, one of which was Oh yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it showed that with your siblings you're willing to do anything and go above and beyond. Some yeah. more than others, but <laughs> listen, listen. I was like, you need to let her go, fool. You need to yeah. let her go. She don't want to be free. Um, <laughs> So I my hot take is that people keep burying this movie in the West Craven legacy, mm-hmm. and it's very telling because it's also the one with the most black people in it. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> like after his franchises like Elm Street and Scream, people are like this other obscure one and this other obscure one. And let's revisit Eyes the House on How to Deal. Not oh wow, <laughs> take my podcast from me. Take my podcast from me. The hills have eyes. Is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. but I'm running on caffeine and good thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> How does the knowledge came out? <laughs> right. Or the house at the end of the street. Right. That one house around that one block on that one town. Um, and I was yeah. shocked to find out that, because I didn't know at first that Wes Craven directed this movie. So I was like, it's part of the reason I loved it as a kid because I I already knew Wes Craven's name because of like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, and right. so I was like, oh, he's doing what? Mm-hmm. And then I ran into this. And I was like, oh my god, Wes Craven's with black people, and it was exciting because we have nothing. Yeah, uh, when the bar is so low, <laughs> I think like every black person knows like the people under the stairs, the people under the stairs, <laughs> right? You right. Have to watch this movie <laughs> because it's all we had, and yeah. so it it just makes me sad. I'm retroactively sad that this is all we had. <laughs> Um, and because of that, it's the best of its time because, again, it's all we had. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish I could think of another movie. <laughs> I don't think there is one. I know that Showtime I mean, was like, we will have black people kids. hear it. Yeah. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Or not, not that this was necessarily for kids, but like, I feel like it, a kid it, could watch this and be okay. Yeah. I put it in the same lane as I would like Beetlejuice and other like PG-13 horror from our era back when they were like a little bit spooky. Yeah. yeah. When I saw this was rated R, I was like... Oh, it's rated, oh, rated, rated R? R? I didn't even know that. It is rated R. It's because of the rubber suit? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, 
the number one. I didn't my... think it was rated R. <laughs> no. <laughs> that that changes some things. I'm gonna stand by what I see it, but I, I will also rethink some of the things I said. <laughs> <laughs> um. So number one, I have a new tie. I have a new title for this film. It's just called White People. That's <laughs> 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 all. Just white people in the house. The same poster and everything. White people. Um, that would be terrifying. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, also, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff we've been talking about with Wes. He is one of my favorite directors, but I understand he, he, he made mistakes and he wasn't perfect. But um, I do like that he had, out of the horror directors, he has such of a range in his films that he goes from some really good comedic parts to some really creepy parts to scary. And he's got slashers in his wheelhouse. He's got, you know, interracial or not interracial. What am I saying? Incestuous couples, <laughs> landlord couples. Like he may have some in, interracial stuff. I don't remember. Uh, maybe I somewhere down there. That fool and Alice got together. Oh, well, you know on. they did. That's why he tried to save her. I know. <laughs> I feel like down the line they probably that's married. the people um that's right? the people on top of the stairs that's the secret uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I just appreciate Wes's range um even though while we have discussed he, he was not perfect and made mistakes for sure. yeah no because I feel like this and Vampire in Brooklyn are his two movies that his name is attached to because Vampire in Brooklyn is very much an A.B. Murphy situation so I don't want people in my DMs for that but like, I feel like these are the two movies where he was like mostly brown people half roast <laughs> and then he went back to doing what he normally did and so that was like a weird stop in the 90s when it'd be like two movies with black people i'm gonna make scream now <laughs> forget about y'all <laughs> going back to my white suburbs where right it's all white i'm gonna stop shit <laughs> every time you keep saying vampire in brooklyn i keep thinking vampire versus the bronx <laughs> I almost said I almost thought the same thing, yeah. And I was like, "What? Wait, hold on." I I rewatched Vampire in Brooklyn for the first time since I was a kid um, this summer. Yeah, that's this year, this summer. And I was like, "Oh my god, how did I forget all of this?" Kadeem Hardison, Angela Bassett, like, oh yeah, there was, everybody was in that movie. Too. Everybody, John Witherspoon, like, and it was back when Eddie Murphy played half the cast. And I was oh, like, yeah. "It might cut on cost, but does it cut on time and makeup?" Like, <laughs> that's the only horror movie my parents will watch <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Fully through. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our thoughts on a whole bunch of stuff, but mostly on the people under the stairs. Thank you, Angel, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we have enjoyed it. I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point. That'd be awesome. This was great. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next week, we are covering We Are What We Are with Nightmare on Fifth Street. Yay! <laughs> That's going to continue our month talking about fucked up families because tis the holiday season. Tis the season <laughs> to talk about fucked up families. Tis the season, tis the reason. See you all at the bar soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again, thank you, Angel. Thank you, everyone, for, for listening and make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye! Bye. <laughs>